0: All right. Well, good to be back here with you this morning. Uh, Thank you guys for leading us in worship today. Pleasure to have you here. I didn't meet you before time. What was your name? Omar. All right. Welcome. All right. Thank you much for being with us today and leading us. And so it's so so good to be here. My uh, kids were both in town with their their spouses. And so uh, we got away in the mountains for a few days. So I'm sorry I missed uh, the commissioning service last week for Jimmy as well. I hope that was a great day uh, of celebrating together and, uh, and looking forward to the Kind of different role he's playing. So, um, you guys remember the the musical Oliver? Remember? So, so it's the the musical adaptation, the the classic uh, Dickens novel Oliver Twist, uh, taking place in the early 1800s in England. And uh, I, I love the musical. I actually, was in it in high school, so it's like all in my head. Um, but the opening scene is just so classic, right? It's all these, these poor, half-starved little orphan boys at this despicable orphanage, which was basically a child, child labor camp. Uh, they're marching down to get their gruel. Right. That's all they ever get is this little measly bowl of gruel. But on the way, they start dreaming of all this luscious food. Right. What could we have that's more? Right. And food, glorious food. Right. And it goes with all these great things they could eat. But then they, they end up in these long rows of tables. And Mr. Bumble, the big scary man who ended up the, the orphanage, uh, he has his big post, right, his big pole. And he taps it. And they all do. And they all come get their slop. They go back and they don't get to eat until he hits it again. And then <laughs> they just snarf it down. Right. Fast and at this moment, at the end of this opening scene, little Oliver, who's like the littlest runtiest kid in the entire orphanage, uh, he wants more, and so he he walks trembling down the aisle, right, to Mister Bumble, and he says, "Please, sir, I want some more. More? Please, sir, I want some more. More!" And he just goes on and just starts rambling at him in the big song, Oliver, Oliver. Never before as a boy wanted more, right? And it's this, this horrible scene of this boy who's starving, he just wants a little bit more gruel, and he's denied it. Now, I, I would venture to say that in, in a lot of ways, sometimes we see God the way Oliver saw Mr. Bumble. As this, this person, this big, uh, this big ominous figure that controls every little detail and determines whether you'll have enough food or not, and there's this fear there of approaching this person. But as we look throughout Scripture, we, we pick up a very different vision of God. And, and I want to remind us of, of this picture of Jesus, of God as the shepherd, which is a very common phrase, a very common image that we get of who God is. I want to remind you of what that is just by first reading the 23rd Psalm. This isn't our passage for the day, but, but there are some things in our passage today that are going to remind us of the 23rd Psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I lack nothing. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our problem with grasping things like the 23rd Psalm, or a couple phrases that are going to be in our passage today about sheep needing a shepherd, is that, that we don't live in a culture or society that really understands shepherds the way this culture did that Jesus stepped into. You see, I think oftentimes we'll think of shepherds, we'll think of sheep herders, we'll think of sheep ranchers. You know, we have cattle ranchers, ranch cows, and we have sheep ranchers uh, have sheep, and they raise it either for wool or they raise it for the delicious lamb chops. But a shepherd, in the context that Jesus is referencing in this passage, in the reference in the, the good shepherd, in the Lord is my shepherd, the biblical image of a shepherd is very, very different than a sheep rancher. A shepherd was an up-close-and-personal, almost companion. This was somebody who was there, and his his total purpose in life was the nurture and the care and the feeding and the well-being of the sheep. And and that could take place anywhere because part of that culture with sheep is getting them out where they could eat grass and they could have water and they could be nourished and sustained uh, for the purpose that they were being kept. In fact, we might say that you only need a shepherd when there are no fences. When, when, when there's roaming free, when there's life going on, that's when they need the shepherd because that's where the dangers potentially are. And they need that shepherd to be there to care for their needs and to look out for their well-being. And so when we see in like the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, that's the, that's the image. Not of a rancher of sheep, but of a nurturer of sheep someone who cares absolutely so much that they will seek after the ones that are lost or, or carry the ones that can't keep up. That's what a shepherd was. So we're in the middle of this sermon series on the book of Mark. And we started at the beginning a few months ago. We're about to the end of, of chapter 6. And, and if I just refresh your minds briefly from two weeks ago when I was last up here, Uh, We had this scene, we're we're thinking about the book of Mark, and Jesus had come onto the scene, he was baptized by John in the river Jordan, Uh, he he then went off to the desert, the wilderness place, where he was tempted by Satan, but it was also this place where he established what this mission was going to be, his ministry on life, and he, and he, he came on the scene proclaiming the good news. Uh, proclaiming that the kingdom of god is is here it's 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 right on the precipice and he basically through these first few chapters of mark stating that this is the kingdom of god it's very different than what you thought it would be and i'm the king that's what he keeps trying to communicate through his teachings through his actions through miracles and we notice at the very beginning he called some shepherd called some people he called some some fishermen initially and then some other people to follow him he said follow me and we're going to go do something and then we watched as these disciples followed Jesus, and, and and more than just the twelve, lots of other people were following Jesus and learning from him, and, and he had said they were going to do something, but mostly we've seen a lot of listening and observing and going around in boats back and forth across the lake. We haven't seen a lot of activity until our last sermon a couple of weeks ago, where he then sent these twelve out and gave them instructions and said, you're going to go out Really wearing my name. I'm giving you authority and we discovered that was a legal term. You're going you're gonna to be my representative so when people see you or hear you or, or listen to what's going on and, and, and what you do in their midst is as if I was doing it. They were finally going to do something and put into practice everything they had learned. And in the middle of that story a couple of weeks ago, there was this odd, this odd interjection of what happened to John the Baptist and how King Herod had him beheaded. And it was this really odd thing we had to work through. What does that all mean together? And, and the end of last time's sermon ended with the words, the disciples gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and spoken. And that's where we start today. And so let's read today's passage It says the apostles gathered around Jesus, reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and, and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like Sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So he sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and, and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So as we've been doing through this book of Mark, we're going to kind of dive into what this story was like, what was happening in this scene, and then we're going to pull back a little bit and say, and so what what are the implications for us? How does this play out today? Because this is a story you could very easily leave back there a couple thousand years ago. so, wasn't that amazing what Jesus did? He fed all these people with basically nothing. And then we move on with our lives. But I think there's a lot going on here. And when we see the disciples, they've just been out doing this first adventure they've done on their own. When Jesus said, go out in my name, wear my name well, was a phrase we used. Wear my name well as you go out. And he gave them very strict instructions. And they came back to report to him. And to me, what I'm picturing is like Monday morning in kindergarten classrooms, Right? If you went to kindergarten, if you teach kindergarten, if you've worked with little kids, Monday morning at the beginning was news time. Right? What did you do this weekend? Right? And, and everybody tells the adventures of the weekend and what happened and the stories. Or, or, or if you've gone on some kind of trip or, or some big business adventure or a mission trip or something like that, one of the things you always do is debrief. Right? So let's hear what happened. Uh, tell me what had happened. I sent you out in my name to be my activity and be my voice. So let's talk about it. How did this impact you? What did you see take place? And I'm sure they're all telling the stories and, and telling what happened. Because we learned earlier that things did happen. They went out and did what they were told to do. And now they came back to report it, and they told the stories. And they, they debriefed their adventure. But it says in the middle of it that so many people were coming and going that they, they couldn't even have time to eat. And so Jesus said, Come on, let's get in the boat. Let's head off to a remote place, a solitary place. Literal words, a wilderness, which is the same idea we got throughout Mark of when Jesus went to the wilderness. And and we've heard that phrase a few times, the wilderness is a place of rejuvenation. It's not strictly a desert. It's a place where things can happen to change who we are. And he says, let's go to that wilderness place. Let's enjoy our company. Let's hear the stories. Let's get something to eat. Let's just be together. You 12 and me. And so they got in the boat and started heading to that solitary place. One of the things we learn really quickly is that this was either a really slow boat or there was no wind to catch the sails because it said as the people saw them and recognized them, they came from all the towns and beat them to the solitary place. So it's no longer solitary. And you can just feel the life go out of the disciples probably. Right? We're going to get away. We're going to be back with Jesus. We can tell the stories and what we've learned and what we struggle with. And, 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 and we're going to get something to eat. It'll just be us. It'll be awesome. It'll be rejuvenating because Jesus believes in work-life balance. And, and we're going to go there. But now there are all these people there. I find another thing very interesting is it says when the people recognize them, Up till now, whenever something was happening, they were clamoring after Jesus, right? It didn't say they recognized Jesus, it said they recognized them. Why? Because these 12 had been out in these communities doing some pretty amazing things. So now they saw them, they recognized them, and they said, let's go around and be there. And it says, when Jesus saw them, he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And we start to get that picture of the 23rd Psalm. Jesus saw them and had compassion, and so he started to teach them many things. So now now we see the disciples who who really wanted to get away with Jesus. They wanted to be in that solitary place where they could get some relaxation, because this has been a hard little while, and they needed this rejuvenation. But now there are all these people. And and after things had gone on, the disciples said, basically, I, I think they've heard enough teaching, and they're probably really hungry. Why don't we send them out so they can get something to eat? And we had this amazing interaction where Jesus looks at them and says, you give them something to eat. Huh. Really? Jesus, remember, we went on this little trip. Here are the instructions you give us. It said, don't take any food. Don't take any money. If you go to a house and they welcome you, stay in that house. Accept their generosity. Don't look for better accommodations. And now we're back telling you what's going on. Do you think we have money now? This would take like a year's salary to pay, to pay enough to buy this food. And, and if you look and research in this, this area, the closest town of any size, maybe had two or 3,000 people. If, and this, this story tells us there were 5,000 men, which probably meant close to 10,000 people. Where are they going to get the food? We can't afford this. And, and you're telling us you give them something to eat. Right. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? Go and find out. What do we have? Five loaves and two fish. Perfect. So so, so he took the five loaves and two fish, and and he says he blessed it, and it probably would have been a traditional Hebrew prayer and blessing, of blessed art thou, O Lord, King of the universe, who causes food to come forth from the earth. And he looked up to heaven when he did this, which was different than the other times he had prayed. Something different was going on, he gave it. He told the disciples to seat the people on the green grass, But this is a wilderness area. But we do know in that part of the world, uh, the grass in the spring grows very quickly and lush, but as soon as it gets hotter, it fades really fast. And so we know this is springtime, but we have another picture of the 23rd Psalm. These people were like a sheep without a shepherd. Have them sit in the cool green grass. And they divided up, and then they, they started giving out the food. And it said everybody had some, and they were all full and satisfied. It's an amazing story. It says there were 5,000 men. And the way they kept track of counting people back then, they always just counted the men. So if you start talking about wives and you talk about children and and other women and children that might not belong to a certain man in that culture, you're looking at least 10,000 people. And they were all satisfied. And then the disciples each had baskets and collected the remnants of food that were left over. And each one of them, all 12 of them, got a full basket. That's amazing. And if all we do is leave that story back then, we say, Jesus was amazingly powerful. Look what he did. He produced food for 10,000 people in the middle of a desert place. Amen. That's not very satisfying. Because something about this story has to jump out to us today. This is the only miracle that appears in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it must have some kind of importance to us other than, look what Jesus did back then for those 10,000 people. What are the lessons for us? What are the implications for us? And and I think what we really need to wrestle through right off the bat is that for us, the implications are that participation in Christ's ministry means more than pointing out the problems around us. Being engaged in the life Jesus has called us to live means more than pointing out problems that are around us. See, when Jesus saw this crowd of people, even though he was probably tired, even though he was looking forward to this time of debrief with his disciples, let's go to that solitary place because that solitary place is awesome. He, he saw all these people clamoring who wanted something and said they're like sheep without a shepherd. These are people with no one, no leadership in this area, tongues of priests, but nobody engaged in looking out for their well-being. That doesn't exist, and I have compassion on them. I see this need, and I know we can do something for these people with our compassion. The disciples saw the need and saw it as a problem that belonged to somebody else. These people are hungry. Why don't you dismiss them and have them go take care of their hunger? And Jesus said, pointing out the problem is not enough. Didn't I just send you out? in my authority as my representative to wear my name well, and you're saying, eh, send these people away. Somebody else can take care of this problem. You see, I think what we see happening in this passage is that that Christ allows us to see a need because he expects us to meet the need by prayer or other means. You guys saw the need, good for you. These people are hungry. Now you give them something to eat. Well, how are we going to do that? We have nothing. Are you sure you have nothing? Go find out what you have. We have five loaves and two fish. Basically nothing. This is 10,000 people. This is five loaves and two fish. And we're talking about loaves back then. We're talking about like little things of bread. Probably not loaves. Like that would serve 10,000 people. And so something amazing happens in the midst of this. Now, one of the challenges is that throughout time, throughout church history, people have tried to figure out what actually happened at this story. Uh, Like I said before, this is recorded in all four of the Gospels, so it's of importance, great importance. So something happened, and there's this presupposition to say miracles don't happen. This couldn't have happened, so how do we explain it? And so some scholars have said, you know, what happened was, and these are all real stories that you read in real books that you can buy by scholars, Jesus was preaching in front of a cave, and this cave was full of food. And so what happened was he would give this food to the disciples, and they just come getting more because the cave was full of food. It was amazing. Somebody had stashed it there, bread and fish for 10,000 people. Another theory goes that there was a group of kind of benevolent women that were were followers of Jesus, and they would support his ministry by finding out where he was, what was the itinerary, what's your speaking schedule, make sure there's stuff there for you. And so it was like a giant potluck. We're all bringing bread and fish for the 10,000 people that will probably beat Jesus to the other side of the lake. But The passage doesn't say that. Another theory was that this was uh, all these people seated there, and the disciples went and gathered what they have, their five loaves and two fish, and when they brought it out, other people said, well, I can share what I have, and so this was a story about sharing, but it doesn't say that, I mean, that's a nice message, but it doesn't say anything like that. Still, others said this was really a metaphorical thing. It was an allegory. It wasn't about actually feeding people. It was it was a sacramental meal. It was it was kind of like taking communion. We have a little piece of bread and a little bit of fish, and, and it just kind of spread, and we take that. And it's a spiritually satisfying thing. But once again, the passage doesn't say that. It says it says they all ate. They were all full. They were all satisfied, and we we gathered up extra. So, so I think we have to live in the place that something miraculous happened. That somehow Jesus took these meager offerings of five loaves and two fish and turned it into something miraculous. Christ allows us to see a need because he expects us to meet the need by prayer and other means. And where we go next is that what we possess may seem inadequate or insignificant in light of the great need. But God multiplies our faith to accomplish his purposes. What we have is insignificant. What do you have? I have five loaves and two fish. That's nothing. Have you seen these 10,000 people? They're famished. What do you have? I have five loaves and and two fish. It's really nothing. But what I think, what, what Mark, in including this in his gospel, wants us to understand about Jesus is that he's saying, your resources may seem like nothing, but in God's hands they're amazing. And and they can do anything that he has called us to do. He's saying, I have given you all the resources you need to live according to how I've called you to live. And to you, it might not seem like enough. In fact, very easily, we turn these things into excuses, right? Which is kind of what the disciples were doing. What do you have? Nothing. Come on, what do you have? Five loaves and two fish. That's nothing. It's not going to go very far. It's not very satisfying. This is an enormous need. And Jesus said, give me what you have. You see, he did not ask them what they didn't have. He didn't say, what are you lacking so we can take care of this need? He says, no, what do you have? I have five loaves and two fish. And no matter how big the problem looks, he's saying, you have enough. This kind of concept of saying, what do you have? You give them something to eat. That phrase, you give them something to eat. In light of the great need, in light of the problem we see, and we're all people that I think are pretty good at pointing out problems. I think human nature is really good at pointing out problems. I think Christians are especially good at it. And that might be a hard thing to say because we look around our world, and we're gathered here today. At a a church service, at a a worship service. And worship services are amazing. We hear great music and we we look at the word of God and we interact with each other about what's going on in life. And and in some ways we can come together and we gather. Why? Because we get it. Because we know the truth. Because we look out at the world around us and we say, that is filled with lost people and it is. But somehow that we think that gives us permission to point out the problems and throw rocks at it from in here. We look out the world and say our political system is in a shambles. It's tearing apart our country. We have violence in all kinds of ways we, we never would have dreamed of in our country. We, we look at things we're going, it's going down the drain. We look at all the people out there and, and saying we've got to throw rocks at it because they are wrong and we understand. Because you're pointing out a problem. But but you have resources. You have five loaves and two fish as individuals and as a church. That could make a huge difference that will change the world. And if you can see the problem, I expect you to try to meet the problem. Well, that's kind of hard because it's a big problem. It's a, a big need. And you know what? It doesn't just happen out there. Pointing out problems happens in here, too. I mean, as an interim pastor, I don't know everybody very well. But I would guess that there are people sitting in here, probably most everybody could also start saying, pointing out the problems of the people that are sitting three rows behind you. Those decisions she made are destroying her life. Those addictions. I can't believe what he did. And we have those ideas of people, and we're good at pointing out problems, but when we take our five loaves and two fish and say, how do we help in this? How do we meet this need? How do we not just point out the problem, but allow God to multiply our faith to bring about an impact that's life-changing. It's not enough to just point out the problem. He wants us to meet the need. And what we possess seems inadequate or insignificant, but God multiplies that. He multiplies our faith to accomplish His purposes. You see, God has already given us everything we need to live the life that He's called us to live. We all have something. Dale, what do you have? Well, I have, I have my job. I have my family. I have the way he's wired me. I have relationships with people. I have a certain kind of insight that I think Jesus has equipped me with. I have certain gifts. I have certain talents. Well, those are my five loaves and two fish. I have my talents. And he says, that's great. Give those to me. Use those. That would be good. But it's not enough is my response. I, I've done my part. Can we hire somebody to do that? I'm, I'm not trained enough. I'm not good enough. I, I'm not connected enough. I don't have a good enough job. I don't have enough money. And, and we go through the same thing as a church. We, we could have an amazing impact if we just had a little More? More? need more I've given you everything you need and you know what it's going to multiply we look around this room this morning we have I don't know 70 people in this room we'll have another 100 next hour uh, some more on Tuesday night we'll say that's not enough what this church needs is a couple of really generous financial givers that we could do stuff then we want more Jesus says I've already given you what you need you all have five loaves and two fish If we put those together, that's amazing. And one of the things I want to be really clear on this morning is that when we're talking about what do you have and how do you let God use that, I'm not restricting that to saying this is what happens at church on a Sunday morning. This is not about how do we gather all the gifts and talents we have and say somebody is great at teaching. Great, they should teach at church. Or, or somebody's great at administration. Let's have them do something at church. Somebody's a great singer. Let's have them do that at church. That might play out, but that's not the life we're called to in Christ. It's about life every day out there, not just how do we better equip Sunday. That wasn't the call here. This was this was to solve a hunger pr- problem in that moment. This is about day-to-day life. How do we live our life that Jesus calls to live? And that's not just about Sunday, because if we were to like, take a sports metaphor, Sundays are great. They bring us together as people, but it's really like the huddle in a football game. And games are not won in the huddle. Games are not won until you break the huddle and you go run the play. But what we tend to do in churches is we evaluate our success by how great the huddle was. And that doesn't cut it. Success is saying we see a need in this room and outside these walls and around this community and out throughout the world. And we break the huddle to go and live that life. And we do it with meager five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says that's enough. That's plenty. You have more than enough resources to do what I've called you to do and live how I've called you to live but we tend to always gravitate towards the huddle. This was an amazing miracle. And, and, and we're a little frustrated because it didn't give us enough details about how it took place. My, my sense is that the only ones that knew a miracle went on were the disciples. You had 10,000 people out there. They aren't hearing this conversation. What do you have? They weren't amplified. There weren't big projector screens. It was probably with the disciples. And the true miracle really was not that Jesus made this little bit feed 10,000 people. The miracle was that in the middle of their talking and in the middle of their experiences and what they had just gone through prior to this and now is that their hearts were beginning to change. That, That five loaves and two fish were a lot. And it seems meager to us. And in light of the great need that's out there, all we'll ever have is five loaves and two fish. But Jesus says, watch what I can do. He says, we can, we can tackle impossible problems with limited resources, and in the midst we're going to discover the possibilities and power of God. That's enormous. Jesus, I don't want to go down that path because it's impossible. And Jesus says, exactly what do you have? Will you let me use it? Will you, will you offer it? Will you wear my name well with your five loaves and your two fish? It seems impossible. And your resources seem inadequate. But it's going to happen. It's going to change. God is going to work in ways you can't even imagine. And on the way, you're going to discover the power and the possibilities of God. That was the miracle. The disciples were starting to get that. We're going to see over the coming weeks that they didn't yet. In fact, just in a a few weeks, there's another miracle almost exactly like this, where where Jesus fed 4,000 this time, and that was a Gentile group. And and the disciples almost went through the same thing. Well, how are we going to do this? And she says, you still don't get it. And and I still don't get it. Tomorrow morning, Monday morning, I, I need to wake up. And start my day with, Jesus, these are my five loaves and two fish. I have my job I'm going to go to today, and I'm going to be sending some emails, and I'm going to interact with some people, and I know there's some really hard news I have to deliver to somebody, and and I'm going to have coffee with another person, and I'm going to work on some other stuff, and then I'm going to have dinner with my family. Those are all my five loaves and two fish, and Jesus, how will you use those? How do I offer those tomorrow morning? And tomorrow afternoon, Jesus says, what do you have? Not what do you don't have. What do you have? I have five loaves and two fish, and here they are. And combined with yours, the world can change radically because Jesus multiplies our faith. Jesus takes our limited resources. And allows us to understand and see the power and possibilities of God. Let's pray, Father. This is this is a this is a fascinating story. And, and that question or that statement, "You give them something to eat," that, that could keep me up at night. Because because I would much rather just. Pass that off and pass that back completely to you. And I'll point out the problems because I see them. And it's like, wow, that's a problem out there. Lord, please do something about that. And that's an easy prayer. In this passage, I just have this image of you turning and saying, well, there, you give them something to eat. You pointed out a problem. How are you going to engage in that? I've given you so much. And you see it as so meager. Father, help us all each day wrestle with that comment. You give them something to eat and wrestle with what you have and not say we have nothing, not give excuses, but say we have five loaves and two fish that you have so generously blessed us with. Father, help us live that way. You've given us the ability. You've given us the resources. You've given us your Holy Spirit to empower and encourage and equip. Let's bank on that. Father, thank you for this story. Thank you for its implications on us today we pray in jesus name and i almost forgot our day is a little different today we don't have a closing song so uh let's stand up (laughs) and you know it would be really fun if you're up for this talk about your five loaves and two fish with people around you How, how, how do what do we have and how do we use it and go in peace